This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. Support for this podcast and the following message come from the Master Brewers Bookstore, where you can find must-have titles like the Practical Handbook for the Specialty Brewer, Beer Packaging, Conference Proceedings, and more. Visit mbaa.com store to build your brewing library and make better beer. What you're about to hear originally aired in September of 2016, but it remains the second most downloaded episode of the Master Brewers podcast. I'll be the first to admit that I didn't know much about audio quality or editing when the show began a year ago, but hopefully you've noticed the effort to continually improve. To celebrate the first birthday of the Master Brewers podcast, I thought it would be a good idea to re-release what remains one of my favorite episodes edited to enhance audio quality. Whether you're new here or have been listening since day one, I hope you'll enjoy this new and improved version of episode four. Please use the comments section at masterbrewerspodcast.com to let me know. We're hard at work planning year two of the show, and we'll be back next week with a brand new episode that you're not going to want to miss. Thanks for listening. Here's episode four with Dr. John Paul May. Welcome to the Master Brewers Podcast. I'm John Bryce, and here with me is my colleague, friend, and co-host, Mark Sammartino. Today, Mark and I are joined by John Paul May from S.S. Steiner. John Paul is always working on something interesting. His latest article was just published in the Master Brewers Technical Quarterly, and it's a must-read for anyone who dry hops beer, which these days is almost everyone. So we're here to talk about dry hopping and its effects on the International Bitterness Unit Test and beer bitterness. John Paul, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. Before we dive into your research, I was surprised to learn from your article that the isomerization of alpha acids wasn't understood to be responsible for bitterness in beer until 1955, and, and that the standard IBU test is really not that much older than yours truly. Right, right. I mean, everyone knew that when you boiled hops in beer, usually the longer you boiled the hops, the more bitter the beer became, but no one could make that connection until Rigby uh, and uh, Bethune did the, the actual research. And they did a lot of chromatography. And uh, the only thing they could find in hops was, of course, the alpha acids. And then they found this new hop acid in beer, uh, isoalpha acids, and, uh, and the molecular structures were different, but they knew they had to be related. And uh, they were able to make that connection. And shortly after they realized it was the, because they really couldn't even find a lot of alpha acids in beer. It was only the isoalpha acids. So once they made that connection that isoalpha acids were responsible for bitterness, it became real clear that, hey, if we can measure this isoalpha acid compound in beer, then we can, you know, more accurately, more consistently, um, you know, uh, make a more consistent bitter beer. And so they uh, came up with this relatively simple uh, test method, the uh, uh, you know now known as the uh, International Bitternet Unit Test Method, which is a simple uh, isooctane extraction of beer. 
uh, under acidic conditions. And uh, when you do this liquid-liquid extraction, the hop acids dissolve in that isooctane layer. And then you simply measure the absorbance uh, by at 275 nanometers. And by using this factor uh, times the absorbance, uh, you can get a pretty close estimate to the concentration of isoalpha acids in beer. So then brewers started using this IBU test method, and they were able to correlate it with the bitterness in their beer. That's great. And that was in 1968, I believe, right? Yeah, they, yeah, a bunch of methods came out, and eventually they all kind of focused in on one, and that became the international method. That's right? great. Cool. Well, let's get into your work here, um, now that we've got some history on kind of um, what happened in the past. Uh, so uh, so your, your work now uh, essentially is explaining how, um, how dry hopping affects, uh, affects bitterness in beer and, and how that comes through in the IBU test. So um, why don't you give us a little bit of background on, on your work there? So, so some of the background uh, on this work is uh, our company does a lot of HPLC, uh, high-performance liquid chromatography on hops, as well as uh, a lot of different hop compounds and those hop compounds in beer. Uh, we do get uh, brewers who uh, send us bottles of beer uh, quite often uh, for HPLC analysis. And typically uh, what we, we're doing uh, with that analysis is we know how much alpha they added in the kettle, for an example. So then we can measure how much ISO is in the beer so we can calculate the, uh, the isomerization efficiency. Well, a lot of the craft beers uh, we've been analyzing, uh, we've noticed had high concentrations of humulinones, which are an oxidized uh, alpha acid, which is about 66% as bitter as isoalpha acids. And we also found fairly high concentrations of alpha acids in the beer. And alpha acids have been reported to be either non-bitter or very low in bitterness. And the concentrations we, we were seeing it were as low as uh, like 15 parts per million all the way up to uh, 30 or more. Anyhow, we decided uh, to do some dry hopping experiments because based on the, that humulinone concentration, uh, most hops contain about maybe 0.2 to 0.5% humulinone. So to have that much humulinone in the beer means that a very high percentage of it should be dissolved in the beer. And so we did some dry hopping experiments, and we actually found that that was indeed the case, that uh, at a one pound per dose rate, dry hop rate, you can get as much as 95 to 100% of the humulinones dissolving in the beer. And at a two pound per barrel dry hop dose rate, you can get as much as 90% of the humulinones going into the beer. Wow. The other thing, the other thing we found that was also equally uh, surprising uh, was that at a one pound dose rate, uh, you could actually lose as much as uh, 30% of your isoalpha acids. And at a two pound dose rate, you could lose maybe as much as uh, 50% of your isoalpha acids. So what we decided to do is when we did this work is we started looking at uh, the relative bitterness, uh, you know, relative to isoalpha acids. And we found that if you dry hop a very high IBU beer, you know, something over 35 ppm of iso, um, you could actually make the beer less bitter uh, if you calculate the relative bitterness intensities of cumulonones uh, plus what's in the ISO. Uh, another interesting thing we found was that if you dry hop a very low IBU beer, which most people don't, but if you did, let's say 20 ppm or less, uh, you could actually make the beer even more bitter by dry hopping. So there is kind of a, a balance. You can increase the bitterness on a low IBU beer or you can decrease the bitterness on a high IBU beer. Coming up, 
Dr. May describes his research and more limitations of the IBU test. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. Here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. The California Craft Beer Summit is September 7th through the 9th in Sacramento. The 77th Annual District Ontario Golf Tournament is September 8th. District Carolinas meets in Greenville September 15th. The District St. Paul Minneapolis Annual Golf Outing and Meeting is also September 15th. District Western New York meets September 18th at Swiftwater in Rochester. The District St. Louis Golf Tournament is September 21st. Don't miss the 2017 Master Brewers Conference October 12th through the 14th in Atlanta. Come early for the HACCP course if you need to build a food safety program at your brewery. District Michigan and St. Louis both meet on October 19th. The District Northwest Fall Meeting is October 20th and 21st in Eugene. The 2017 Master Brewers Brewing and Malting Science course begins October 29th in Madison. Districts Mid-Atlantic, Midwest, Milwaukee, St. Louis, and Southeast all have meetings scheduled during November, and so does District New York, which hasn't met in years. I'll definitely be at that meeting, which is at Triumph Brewing in Princeton, New Jersey. Hope to see you there. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. Now back to the show. You first published this research uh, earlier this year, and your, your TQ paper was called Humanone Formation at Hops and Hop Pellets and Its Implications for Dry Hop Beer. And, and John Paul, you've presented this uh, at several Master Brewers meetings, uh, including the 2015 uh, MBAA Annual Conference, where your presentation actually received an award. So congratulations on that. Um, and for all of our listeners, if you'd like to watch John Paul's excellent presentation, I've up- uploaded a video of this same presentation from when he gave it at the District Mid-Atlantic meeting in Baltimore uh, last spring. So if you'd like to watch that video, go to the Master Brewers community, uh, which is just community.mbaa.com, and type humanone formation into the search bar. Or if you're like me, and we'll probably screw up the <laughs> spelling of humanones, just type in may, that's M-A-Y-E, uh, or even dry hopping into the search bar at the community site. That's community.mbaa.com, and you can watch John Paul's video of his of his previous presentation. So, um, okay, so uh, John Paul, why don't you uh, continue us through the progression here after you you publish your 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 first initial research showing that dry hopping had this impact on bitterness? Uh, what happened next? Right. Yeah. So we, we demonstrated that dry hopping actually changes the hop acid composition in the beer. And so the next step was then to say or, or look into and investigate how those different hop acids affect the IBU test. Because, uh, again, the IBU test was developed to measure just isoalpha acids. So what we ended up doing is we, we, uh, we, we, we made a, a beer where we measured it, uh, the iso by HPLC, and then we also measured the IBUs. And then we dry hopped that beer and we measured it by, again, HPLC to, to note the difference in hop acid composition and uh, determine what we called the calculated bitterness, as well as measure the IBU test method. And by doing that, we were able to demonstrate what a lot of craft brewers have been telling me they see. And that is when they dry hop, the IBUs go up 
but the bitterness of their beer actually go, seems to go down. And that's exactly what we found in these experiments, is that the IBUs do go up when you dry hop, but if you take into account the loss of isoalpha acids and then the incorporation of the low bitter humulinone and the non-bitter alpha acids, your actual sensory bitterness goes down. So to, to better understand the impact of humulinones and alpha acids have on the IBU test method, we took a uh, non-dry hop beer and we added different concentrations of humulinones. And each time we um, had a different concentration of humulinone, we measured the IBUs. So we were able to measure the response factor that humulinones have when you run the IBU test. We also did the same thing for alpha acids. And essentially what we found is that uh, humulinones absorb about 80% as much uh, as, uh, as um, isoalpha acids, and the alpha acids absorb about 90% as much. So when you use the IBU test method, you're measuring all these different hop acids, but you don't know what concentration of each you have in there. So um, the other thing we found is there was about 12% of other hop compounds that do absorb by the IBU test. So by using HPLC, uh, a brewer can calculate his bitterness. And if he feels it's too low, there are some isomerized hop acids that one could add to the beer post dry hopping. To adjust the bitterness up if they find the beer is, is lacking in bitterness. Quite an interesting issue and, and with all the papers that we saw at the uh, National Conference on Hopping and even the conversation with Volmer and Shellhammer, this is a, this is a very burgeoning kind of piece of work that uh, needs to have a lot of attention paid to it at the moment. So uh, John Paul, t- please tell me that the old um, IBU test days are, are numbered here and that there's a, a better way for brewers to communicate um, bitterness, especially to the consumer, um, uh, or is it just time to buy stock in HPLC <laughs> manufacturers? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, the, the biggest hurdle for any brewer is beer consistency and seeing that, you know, when you dry hop, and this is the other thing we found too, is, um, you know, you could dry hop with a, a variety like Cascade, and we've measured humulinone concentrations in Cascade as low as uh, 0.2% all the way up to about 0.45%. And that can have a huge impact on bitterness. In fact, if you dry hop with a, uh, a pellet that's very high in humulinone, you may actually see very little or no loss in bitterness. But if it's very low in humulinone, you, you could actually see a pretty big difference in, in bitterness. And so if a brewer, uh, and I think most brewers want to have a consistent bitterness uh, profile to their beer, or, or consistent bitterness intensity to the beer, I think HPLC is the only way you can really do it. Uh, yeah. Because there's just so many other things absorbing when you dry hop, and they have no relation to bitterness at all, unfortunately. And so it, the IBU test becomes you know, really worthless. Yeah. This really drives me crazy on the retail level. You know, personally, I'd like to see IBUs just go away from menus everywhere. It seems that like every, every brew pub and tap room is putting IBUs on their, on their menus, you know, as they describe the beers to the consumers. And, you know, that number is more often than not just complete garbage. Um, in fact, when I help small brewers, I usually advise them not to put a calculated IBU on a menu, but to assign IBUs based on, you know, sensory. Um, now, of course, the problem is that a lot of these brewers don't have the sensory ex- experience necessary to do this, and they certainly don't have access to an HPLC to calibrate their sensory experience in most instances. 
Right, right. Yeah, in fact, uh, a lot of times when I see uh, craft beer on the shelves and I'll see 70, 80 IBUs, you know, I, of course, I know it's probably nowhere near that. You yeah. Know, it's probably half of that. You right, know? right. Um, okay. Yeah. Great. Well, um, so I look forward to your, your future research where you come up with a new method that's going to solve all of our problems, right? That's what you're, that's what you're working on now, right? No, no, actually, uh, we're working again. Uh, every time we do more work on dry hopping, we, we get feedback uh, from customers and, uh, and we also observe different things. And the latest research we're doing now with regard to dry hopping is its effect on beer foam. Uh, we had a poster at the World Brewing Congress where we uh, looked at, uh, you know, your classic hop varieties for dry hopping like Cascade and Centennial. And one of the things we found is that uh, it seems to reduce the beer foam. However, uh, we also have been testing some other hop varieties that I won't say aren't used for dry hopping, but they're more typically used for bittering. And one of the things we found is that they actually enhance beer foam. So that's uh, one of the things we're looking at now is uh, dry hopping and its effect on beer foam. And um, we really think it's uh, variety dependent. Great. Well, thanks a lot, John Paul. Uh, very exciting research. And, um, you know, keep doing what you do. We're, we're, we're loving the results here. So uh, thanks for taking the time out of your day to join us. And um, thanks for your contributions to Master Brewers. Uh, you're very welcome. All thanks, right. John. We Great. appreciate your help. Yeah. Yep. 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 All right. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's interview with John Paul, do yourself a favor and head over to community.mbaa.com. From there, you want to type May, M-A-Y-E, into the industry's best search bar to get access to Dr. May's research, video presentations, and more. One hundred and thirty years ago, Master Brewers was built on the concept of brewers helping each other out so we could all make the best possible beer. That's still true to this day, and it's where a lot of the camaraderie in this industry originated. Master Brewers' award-winning Ask the Brewmasters is the best place to go for troubleshooting, where you'll find the industry's only discussion forum that's moderated for technical accuracy by a team of experts. See what everyone else is talking about at community.mbaa.com. When we came around there, since there's one thing that I should have told you, the 2017 Master Brewers Conference is October 12th through the 14th in Atlanta, Georgia. Conference details can be found along with all the other great resources at mbaa.com. Did you enjoy today's episode? Would you like us to keep making more? If so, there's a really simple way you can let us know. Subscribe, rate, and review the Master Brewers Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, can't get stuck, I can't be losing too much, and then I'm heading out to any other place. Calm down, I'm running too